Welcome to My Friends in the North with PR and management consultant Sarah Hall as she interviews some of the leading lights in the north of England about their work, the economy, communications and what makes them tick. Hi, I'm Sarah Hall and you're listening to My Friends in the North. This is a new podcast series where I interview some of the region's most interesting and influential organisational leaders. And I'm sat here with one of them today. I'm with Andrew Hodgson, who is one of the North East's most well-known businessmen. He previously spent nine years at the helm of subsea engineering specialist SMD. And you probably know his name because he's also the chair of the North East Local Enterprise Partnership. And today we're going to pick a little bit more about the man behind the myth. Morning, Andrew. How are you? I'm very well, as always. As always. <laughs> this is good to hear. Now, let's get straight in. You're a busy man, but you've also landed a role as the chair of Aved Technology. Yeah. And this is very much about vehicle electrification, which yeah. is not that easy to say. Um, give us the lowdown and tell us why Aved's work is so important and why you've got involved. I've known Aved for quite some time, uh, and Ryan and the team, through work actually in the electric and electric underwater vehicles. But what I've noticed with a lot of Northeast companies is they, they need some kind of help, some advice and some support. And I think I've obviously got experience. I'm an older guy, so I kind of, you know, <laughs> I've been around the block a bit and I think I'd like to kind of share that back. Uh, I mean, specifically within Avid, we're seeing a huge transformation. It's very rare that you get an opportunity to be in an in industry, in a sector that is undergoing transformational change and the vehicle market is clearly doing that. I mean, everybody knows about Tesla, everybody sees that and is interested in that. But the the whole trail of customers that are at the door of, of Avid, because people don't know how to solve this moving from traditional vehicle technologies into electric vehicle technologies. And here in the Northeast, we've got a number of leading businesses, not just Avid, but Avid's one of them, who've got part of the solution to that problem so it's very exciting you know we I'm an economist by background and I look at every business opportunity from an economic perspective and from a societal perspective no matter how small it may appear at the time we hear a lot about you know we've seen extinction rebellion and you know and, and people are getting more and more concerned about climate change but I'm a quite pragmatic person and you can complain about things and you can look for other people to solve problems. Be but the change you want to say. But, but, you know, exactly. You have to be the change. You, you, you know, it frustrates me, I've got to say, to see young people, and I'm sure we'll get on to talk about this, young people complain about climate change and then we go into schools and nobody actually wants to study the subjects where they can actually solve the problem. It's no point in looking at other people to solve the problems everybody's got to get behind these issues and we're really fortunate to have companies like Avid who are part of the solution. There's a lot more as I say. Based here in the North East too. Based here in the North East. We understand about electrification, we understand about, we've got a great history of electric vehicle manufacture, electric vehicle capability Um, and we've got a great history of innovation. So we've got all of the the We've got the parts that we need, yeah. And one thing that frustrates me a little bit is people kind of think well why you know why should that happen here it's all you know smd the world's largest subsea vehicle subsea robotics manufacturer you know yeah. our customers were japan in japan they were in china they were in russia they were in india they were in brazil and people didn't really know that story you know and i said but i used to be in the aerospace industry i go to seattle 
think, well, why Microsoft are you? Because somebody decided Microsoft was going <laughs> yeah. to be here. There's um, no kind of logic to why businesses are, are anywhere, you know, in a lot of in a lot of uh, senses. So why not have, why not make this the centre of, of, of this new transformational world? So Which you're very much on with. You talked about that thorny issue of climate change and everybody getting involved. Um, let's go on to another slightly thorny issue as far as I'm concerned. Um, Avid's work, uh, obviously great, very laudable, fits with the LEP's aims to, to tackle climate change and promote green growth. Um, but I did notice, I was obviously went and did my research, looked at the management team online, and it is a lot of white, middle-aged males. Now, not just Avid's problem, we know that getting female leaders into STEM subjects is difficult and into those kind of careers. What's the solution there? How do we, how do we fix this issue? Oh, it's, it's quite a complex issue. It's, yeah. um, because it's not true that females don't exist in STEM. It's the kind of, it's females who are in STEM tend to select specific careers. My eldest daughter is studying medicine at university. She's clearly very good at STEM. Um, and you know, but she's she's gone that medical route. Actually, the predominance of people going through that course are female. So it's not necessarily about getting young women involved in in STEM subjects. It's actually about how they choose to deploy that. The engineering businesses. I'm not. Everybody thinks I'm an engineer, and I'm not. As I said, I'm an economist. I'm, a, I'm an accountant by qualification. Set the record straight, Andrew. Um, well, you know, I'm not making it. I always say that I, I talk about being an accountant because my therapist thinks if I could talk about it in public, it's, uh, it's uh, halfway there to being yeah, healed. To being healed. But, but the reality is, um, you know, the engine. You know, I'm really passionate about about engineering and about how engineering can affect real change in the world. And I'm probably more passionate about that subject than I see a lot of engineers. A lot of engineers are very, very traditional in, in thinking. And the history of heavy engineering has probably helped kind of support that environment. Um, the reality is we have to find a way to communicate what engineering is about. Engineering is problem solving. You know, engineering is about working with people, it's about working with real solutions. And it, and. And I don't think that the, the sector has done a really good job of kind of getting that message across. I, I mean, we see initiatives, and I'm not decrying any of those initiatives, but just so much more has got to be done. So that's part of it. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a northeastern, or certainly a northern perspective as well. You know, we have a huge strength in our community. I love our community. I'm from the north. I live in the north. I've been out of the country and come back and decided to, 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 to not only be in the north, invest in the north. And, and, but the strength of those communities can sometimes drive very traditional thinking. So I know that in many households, there's still a traditional view of the man being the breadwinner, the woman kind of bringing up the children, um, and having a very strong and close family unit. And I love the family unit thing, but we've got to change that break perspective. Break the mold, We've got to break the mold. We've got to challenge that norm. Because so, interestingly, because, I'm going to be speaking to Liz Mays um, for one of these interviews, and they, they've got a really interesting dynamic in their household. While Steve has taken the brunt of the childcare, so they've yeah. started to do it differently, but they're still quite new for doing that round yes. here. Yes, and they're unique. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. my in my kind of group of people, uh, well, it's not unique. No, unique's unfair. 
because obviously my deputy chairman the lep is is, is Heidi Mottram yeah. one of the best business leaders you're ever likely to meet you know I I idolize her Heidi she knows that um, <laughs> because you know I just learn from her every time I spend time with her and, and her and Tim have actually found that balance too so I mean clearly it can work but it's not a normal set of thinking and you need to do that at scale you can't do it just by you know one or two prime examples so having leaders having people uh, who can demonstrate you know what the art of the possible is is really really important having strong role models is important but we have to work through our schools through our communities to make sure that people understand both what the opportunities are what modern engineering is about and therefore those people who are interested in the stem subjects and who've got a leaning towards those might think about their careers in a different way because Part of the economic issues and challenges we've got in the northeast is we, you know, getting our female population to be, to have a higher level of economic activity is absolutely crucial. It's a, it's probably one of the top two or three challenges that we've really got, and and it's it, and it, as I say, it's because of this systemic historical kind of challenge. And, and I, I think about it every day, and I try and think about ways to solve it every day yeah. but it's not an easy one it's, yeah. it's and it's, it's going to take time it's multi-generational yeah. love that phrase the art of the possible i'll yeah. remember that one and reuse it <laughs> yeah. um okay let's move on so one of the best things about you is that as a business leader you are known for being quite forthright and you're not afraid to share views but i don't think people will necessarily know very much personal about you so we've just discussed that like me you've also got a blended family what other things would people not know about you? I know from a Google search that you like mountain biking. What else is there behind the professional? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting you should say that I'm forthright. I, I have a very strong value set, and, and, and I always talk about honesty and respect. I believe that you're not respecting somebody unless you're being honest with them. But equally, I don't believe that, you be, that you're helping people just by being honest without being respectful to them. And I think you've got to bring those two things together. So when people say forthright, I always think, you know, I don't want people to leave the, with, with the impression that, you know, I think it's important to say what's true. Uh, I, I'm totally driven by honesty, but I want to get it in a way that resonates and means something to people. I think the thing that most surprises people about me, um, because I try this out on a lot of people, is that I'm a natural introvert. I was incredibly shy as a young person. You'd never have picked that up from the local enterprise partnership events that I've been to. And I should say, actually, for the purpose of the podcast, that Sarah Hall Consulting does work with the Northeast Local Enterprise Partnership uh, on PR and marketing. So obviously, we're quite involved with the day to day. But you would never pick that up. You were like presenting at our economy the other day, very naturally. Yeah. So I mean, you know, people see me in front of four, five, six hundred people. I'll get up on, you know, and it feels like, you know, it feels like I'm welcoming somebody into my home, I think. So, you know, I am probably the most naturally frustrating, by the way, for the comms people because they can never strip <laughs> me. Um, but I don't, you know, I tend to do the right things. So I'm pretty professional with that. What people wouldn't understand is, and it, it, I'm not talking about at school, up until the age of 25, I had a real fear of standing up in front of a group of four or five people. I realised I couldn't achieve what I wanted to achieve without being able to work in that kind of place. So, so I'm never naturally happy in, in that place, but I've learned that behavior. And I always think that's an important thing to get across to people, that we've all got our fears and insecurities, we've all got our challenges, but actually, you know, if you recognize them and do something about them, it might never become natural to you, but actually you can mask it pretty well. So the thing that people never see is this introvert, shy, 
Andrew, who just likes to spend time on his own. I'm never more comfortable than when I'm on my own. Um, and I guess it kind of reflects into other things. So, I, you know, the, it, it amuses me, uh, as people tend to know about me. You know, I grew up on a council estate in West Cumbria. My parents still live on that estate. I love it. You know, I, 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 I'm happy there. But when I was younger, I was really into my poetry. Really? And um, and, and that surprises me, you know, because I'm, I'm a big Northern, you know, used to play all the sports at school. Um, and I think that the teachers thought there was something, I, I think they thought I was actually going to steal all of the poetry. Because <laughs> I thought I had some kind of racket going on. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm from, you know, I'm, I'm from a place where, you know, poetry was very important. It's very important in the history of Cumbria, you know, with the romantic poets, you know, well, Wordsworth yeah. and, um, you know... Uh, well, there's a whole huge creative streak across the whole, the exactly. northeastern Cumbria, isn't it? Like I say, as yeah. you just said, with those poets, you look at the um, all the artists who've come from the mining community. Yeah, yeah, and, and obviously... People are very in touch with their emotions around Pittman here. Pittman painters, you know, and, yeah, and, 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 and artists. I collect art, um, mainly driven by northern artists. You know, I love all of that thing. So... And actually, people see the business person, but the creativity part of it is something that I really, really enjoy, and it's it provides that other side. So I think people don't, you know, it's not the type of thing that comes up in everyday conversation, but I think that kind of surprises people. But if you think if you see me as this kind of shy introvert, then it probably explains it a little bit more. It's just people don't ever get past that. I always think I'll put my psychometrics online <laughs> just to prove <laughs> see what it. People, see what just, people take just away to from prove that. that I am this kind of shy, shy, shy <laughs> introverted, quiet person that people don't necessarily see. It's all good. Well, that's definitely things that people wouldn't have uh, known. And thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about politics. May's gone. She's announced that she's off. There's going to be some hideous leadership race, I'm sure. And then we haven't quite got Brexit over the line yet. Now, the predictions suggest that of all the regions, the North East, if it happens, will be one of the most hardest hit if we do leave the European Union. What's your view? What can you see happening next? In your, in your head, what would be a good or a bad scenario? I've been around in both business and the kind of the political arena enough to kind of not try and paint scenarios of things that I can and can't control. You know, and I've never been one to, to, to worry about that. What I, um, you know, what I believe in is you only do the things that you can do for yourself. And I've, I'm really passionate, as you know, about the fact that the North and particularly the North East is actually in a strong place. And that by doing things for ourselves and maintaining the momentum, you know, the higher value jobs, the higher level jobs that we're creating and creating inclusive opportunity for all of our people, that whatever challenges are coming our way. I mean, Brexit sound, you know, I, I'm an, as, I, as I keep saying, I'm a, you know, I've got an economics background. I understand that it's bringing challenges. I understand that's not easy, but we, we face many challenges, you know, and, and, um, you know, would I like a world where everything was nice and smooth and easy? Well, of course it would make it easier for us to do it, but just because something's difficult or has got challenges on the way, it doesn't make it something not to do. In fact, you know, I quite like putting myself into challenging, difficult environments. You know, I always, you know, whatever, whenever anybody says, what's the most important message about, where, where do you, where's your best learning on leadership? And I'll tell, I'll tell you this, that um, I used to be a, in my younger days, I was a, a warden um, in the National Park in, in, in Cumbria, because I know that obviously mountains are a love of mine, and 
Um, but we're on a mountain rescue course and, and we're supposed to be really good mountaineers and somebody said, what happens if we rescue some people who get lost? It's a very brave thing for a mountain leader to ask. And the person who was training us said, look, you know, there'll be at least two of you, ask the other person if they're lost. And if they're not lost, if they know where you are, you put them in the front of the group and you go behind the group. And if they say they're lost too, you go back to the front of the group and you keep leading because the people you're rescuing expect you to rescue them. And you've got the skills to navigate your way down a mountain without walking off a cliff, which is basically the aim of the game. Um, and that's taught me a lot about leadership because you should never be able, you should never be afraid to understand when you, you don't know something and ask for help and support. There's no shame in doing that as a leader. Um, but you always have to lead and you always have to use the skill set that, that you've got. And, and that for me was encapsulated in that. So for me, I don't want to predict where Brexit is I because it and, and how it will play itself out. I think hard I'll just to get to it. It's really hard to predict. It's really frustrating. It's just another of those bumps on the road of which there are many um, and, and we'll face many in the future. But what I do know is if we concentrate on doing the right things in our economy, we'll continue to grow the best future we possibly can for the people in the North East. And that's all I really worry about. That's great. Thanks, Andrew. That's quite a nice segue anyway into my next question. So my business, traditionally PR marketing, has been moving much more into management consultancy. So there's kind of two strands to the business. So talk to me about scaling businesses and what a budding non-exec director like me should know. You know, you talked about there about leadership and, and confidence uh, and vision, actually. Um, what's the key to unlocking sustainable growth? I know that it sounds really happening this phrase, but it's all it is all about people, right? You know, the every organisation is a collection of people, and um, and we can get quite sophisticated about it because there are certain times in the um, in the development of a business that you grow past a scale. So I, I'm a I'm a strong believer in this kind of I think it's called the rule of one fifty, but I kind of think a hundred. If you've got a business of less than 100 people, you can know everybody, you can be very, very informal. Once you get past that, you need a bit more structure uh, into it. So there's, there's, there are things like that. However, one thing I have learned, and I've worked in very large organisations, is the that leaders are the, at the top of, of, of that leadership tree are absolutely driven to deliver culture into the business. It's If you can get the culture into the mindset of everybody with the culture that you want as a leader into that business then everything else is secondary management systems how things work because what you want is people who think act and behave in the way that you would expect to do that yourself so when you meet a customer i used to pride ourselves our best salespeople in smd were the guys that worked in the factories i used to love taking people into the factory and just let them let them free talk to talk to people because I expected them to talk with the same passion about the product, knowledge about the product, understanding about the product as anybody in my business, you know. And I think if you if you can find a way to drive that culture, now there's many ways to do that, and uh, I'd need another podcast to describe <laughs> I'll come how back. you reinforce culture. But you know, the the things I would say is you have to be genuine and authentic. You have to be true to yourself, and you have to come. You have to keep doing things over and over again. Reinforcement. Reinforce Consistency it. and reinforcement. And if you reinforce it, it becomes natural over time. It doesn't always feel natural 
on day one, but you have to reinforce, 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 and then it becomes the way of being, and then that becomes the culture of the organisation. And I think that's a kind of an important learning for me. So it's all about the people, and it's all about getting the culture right, and everything else kind of falls into a secondary category thereafter. Totally agree. I mean, it obviously falls very much into you know the internal communications piece there. I would advocate, and in terms of when you get all those employees <laughs> on board, somebody works in communications. I expect uh, you say that. Oh, uh, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, got to stay on message uh, and on brand. But uh, it's so important because actually they are the people who will go out and tell your story for you. And actually, they're often the touch point for an organisation, depending on the nature of the organisation. So getting getting your yeah, team and on making board people feel. That, that communi- it's interesting communication because it's making people feel like communication's there. So I always set out to talk to everybody within an organization, probably on a you know, so they, they get one direct level of conversation on a quarterly basis minimum. But I always say my doors open. Whenever I hand my lep card out to somebody or if I hand my other business cards out, I always point out my mobile phone number's on there for a reason. Um it's because people can phone me directly. They don't have to come through PAs or secretaries, anything like that. If you've got something to ask me... That's you, quite unusual, right? Well, it is quite unusual, but you know what? I mean, it, you can imagine you say to a customer of a business, you know, if you ever have a problem, you're talking to a big chief executive... It's powerful, and, isn't it? If you, if you ever have a problem, you ring me. I can't solve the problem because I've got teams of people doing that, but, you, but I'm the chief executive, so I can go and solve that. You know, people never ring you. I mean... But it's so powerful because they it's the fact that they've opened the door. Do, Absolutely. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the relationship building. And, that, and that's 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 the important thing. So I think communications is much about kind of not what's not said, but is is as much about having the channel open as it is about use, using it. So you know, I I, I think that's a, and it's an important part of driving the kind of the right well, the culture that I expect in the organizations, you know, that I participate in. Okay, let's end on a personal note. What's, which TV series have you been most hooked on recently? There's got to be something. Andrew must spend time watching TV when he's got his feet up. Not just out in the hills or writing poetry. <laughs> <laughs> there must well, be something that you can't bear not to watch. No, no, well, funny enough, I'm not a big TV watcher. Um, you know, uh, but that's, I used to be a big TV watcher and I just, I think over time, I have a very full life. Mm. I have uh, really packed time with my family. I love my, fa- you know, my family is hugely important to me. Um, we do sit down. Um, at I have eight, to binge watch for the same reason. At eight, at eight o'clock, <laughs> we do sit down at eight o'clock. I think if if there are things, the things I would say are, um, I guess locally, uh, but it's not the local collection. I kind of like um, kind of crime drama, so things like Vera. Oh, and yeah. Shetland, right? So Vera <laughs> and Shetland will be high up, and of course I have the good fortune. Anne Cleaves, obviously, who wrote both of those, I have the great fortune of having met because of the, the the position I have. I get to meet some fantastic people, so it's great to speak to people like Anne and and understand kind of a little bit more, get a bit more depth about the things that you're really interested in. So there's that, and if you actually had a look, um, I guess most of my watching is through my um, my iPad because I'm always on trains or planes. Um, and, and, and I'm kind of interested more in kind of documentaries and factual stuff. So, you know, and, and, and how other people, not big, important documentary, I kind of like insights into people's lives. So that's the type of thing. But, but in truth, I'm not really a big TV watcher. And that's not because I don't have downtime, because I have plenty of downtime. Yeah. But just choice. Yeah, but my choice, you know, if. Have you been watching a house through time? 
has that's been, time. Yeah, no, that's been that, absolutely that fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean it. by yeah. an insight. It's not that's not big documentary. That's that's local and personal and really informative, and that's kind of where I find interest. That's the type of documentary that I really get on. Thanks, Andrew. That's been really insightful, and it's been really um, interesting. I think lots of people would have learned different things, both about management, you as the person, and just just what you're up to generally. If you want to follow Andrew, you can catch him on Twitter at NVLAndrew, or connect with him on LinkedIn. And next time, you'll be able to hear from Liz Mays, Chief Executive of the Common Room of the Great North. And for those of you who don't recognise the name, she'll be explaining exactly what that is. Thanks very much for listening. Bye-bye. listening to my friends in the north with sarah hall you can find sarah on twitter at hallmeister and get involved with the podcast by emailing sarah at sarahhallconsulting.co.uk see you next time (laughs) 